0: Hello there, FC Dallas Curious fan. Welcome to another edition of Third Degree, the podcast. Hi, my name is Peter, and I am joined by my two friends, Dan Crook. Hello, Dan. Hello. How are you? I'm super. Boy, you sound incredibly chipper today. Is that because Luton Town won
1: last weekend?
0: Yeah, two in a row. We're we're not bottom anymore. We're just
1: second bottom.
0: Pip, pip. And of course, our fearless leader, editor, and founder of ThirdDegree.net, Buzz Carrick, come in, Buzz.
2: Hello, Peter, calling in today from Denton, Texas, where I'm ready for the Diablos' first ever U.S. Open Cup game. Ooh, you know what? When is that game? March something. Is that the game against? 25th?
0: Uh, is that the game against the Riatos? Uh, yes, on the 25th. Yep, against on the in March. Yep. Okay. We uh, Andy and I have talked about turning that into a road trip and going up for that.
1: I'll be there. It'll be awesome. Wait, in twenty twenty? Yes, of course. The year twenty twenty. <laughs> I was just you're asking a date really slow, really gradually. So I thought I'd jump in on that. Oh, I'll okay. be there too. All right. Yeah. Well,
0: maybe we should just have like a big party van, or we should uh, get a bus. Oh, a it'll party be bus. it like the
1: Rayados again. We can just start playing the Dale Rayados on YouTube. Oh, let's not do that. <laughs> let's not do that. <laughs> yeah. You know,
0: but, Let's not do that. Um, Okay, so we should talk further about that. We're a month out. we got plenty of time to figure it out and plan it, but that does sound like a fun night, especially because those two teams, and it is Open Cup. Uh, All right, well, let's move into uh, topic du jour, which is FC Dallas. First question I want to ask you guys is um, the MLS website yesterday or today posted – top five players for every position. And there was lots of uh, mention of FC Dallas players in there, which was super cool. But am I the only one, and I'm torn by this because it's a really great honor, but is anybody else a little weirded out by the fact that that whoever wrote this article thinks that the best left back in MLS is a guy who's been playing left back for maybe two years? in in Ryan Hollingshead by the way who was ranked number 1 on the list at left back.
2: Well, I, I do think that Ryan was the best left back in MLS last season. I don't know if that makes him the best left back like in MLS right now, you know, cuz I think you have to think bigger picture than just one season cuz if you obviously if you include more than one season then no,
1: he's not. It, it was a bit of a weird one for me. I, I thought FC Dallas kind of got hard done by in some places, but I, I'm not sure Ryan Hollingshead was Really, top three, let alone top. Just, uh, I, th- I honestly thought that list was completely flipped.
0: Yeah, I, I think Ryan's come leaps and bounds in the position, and he's certainly the starter on this team uh, at left back, and I have no qualms about that. But I, I, I was, I'm, I'm never-endingly surprised that people think he's the best in the league at the position when there are guys that have been playing at their entire career. But I, I don't know. I was just wanted to get uh- your uh, I, tell you what I I kind
1: of took from that list just from the defenders as a whole uh they want um whoever wrote that is clearly a an obsessive fan of the or stan for for the uh the millennials um myself included there damn um is it, clearly a fan of those mid-90s brazil teams where You know, the third best striker played left back, and the fourth best striker played right back because their wing back choices were absolutely bizarre.
0: Yeah, I uh the list was weird for me too, but that's not the first time I've seen people list Ryan as the best left back in the league and and this was just kind of a continuation of the same theme. And I and I don't want to I don't want this to come off as knocking Ryan because I'm not trying to do that. I just it's weird that in a league of all of all these players and all these people that have played left back their entire career, people are putting him as literally the best left back in the league and I don't know. It just seemed weird to me. Also today, speaking of fullbacks, on the other side of the field, Reggie Cannon caught a little social media uh, noise today. Charles Bohheim tweeting out some news that maybe the club or Dan Hunt has told him directly that they continue to work and make effort to try to sign Reggie to a long-term deal. Buzz, what do you know about that?
2: Well, I think if you read the quote, he actually didn't say – does he say long-term? I think he said big contract, which is not necessarily the same thing. Fair enough.
0: You're right. It does say big yeah. contract. I just assume long-term, right. but go ahead. Well, I'll try and explain that.
2: I actually predicted that this a contract like this would happen uh, about a week ago on for my patrons. And um, the reason something like this would happen is, is twofold. Uh, because the, the club has Reggie this season and next season because of their contract options. But it's at a really low number. So essentially, they're offering Reggie. We'll do a. I assume they'll do a two-year deal. So the length is the same. We're gonna bump the money way up, which for him could be anywhere from 250, 300 up to, I suppose, theoretically, like four, five, six, like Jesse and Poxen got. And the reason you do that without getting anything longer is because Re- Cannon wants to go and wants to be sold, and you can sell him for more money if he gets paid more. See how that works? Because if he's getting paid 80 k they're going to say, you clearly don't value him. We're not going to give you any money for him. Whereas if he's getting paid 500 k well, obviously you do value him and he, therefore he's expensive. So that's the trade-off. And then with that contract, you would say Reggie gets the benefit of the money short term. The club gets the benefit of a higher sale price. And you make some sort of handshake agreement that We'll do our, best, do our very best to sell you this summer, this winter, whatever it is. And that's why you would see a deal like this happen. And that's why Dan's talking about offering, quote unquote, offering Reggie security because this is his home. We want to take care of him. That's how this would all work.
0: All right. But uh, if anybody is suspicious or wants to look at it with an alternate uh, motive in play, uh, is there any suggestion that what – signing him to that type of deal does is actually strengthens the hunt's ability to maybe over evaluate uh reggie in terms of money and make it more difficult for clubs internationally to buy him locking him into staying here in dallas
2: it would make him more expensive for sure than he is now um and that's something where reggie would have to decide is it worth it for me to get this money to be more expensive and part of that too is if he costs more money, the player gets a cut of the sale, right? So he would get more money when he's he sold, and he would get paid more because you'd have to give him a raise when he would go. So, like if his if he's getting paid five hundred here instead of eighty, then whoever buys him is gonna have to pay him a raise comparative to that money. So the those are the benefits of Reggie, and what he won't do, I'm quite sure, is extend. So he won't give them more option years so that they could lock him up. He'll want to maintain that two years. So that, that's why this trade off will be, the, from where I'm reading it and from what I'm hearing from people, that if this does happen, the trade off is just going to be the money, you know, in order to get the higher sale for FC Dallas.
0: But we can all agree on that uh, the Hunts own the advantage here in terms of position because they do have that additional optional year to keep him here if they choose to do that.
2: Yeah, that's exactly right. They have him through uh the end of the 2021 excuse me, the 2021 season. So, he's kind of handcuffed in terms of being able to go. The club has to agree to sell him for him to go. So, uh you know, in that sense that's why he is kind of hand up, handcuffed and uh if they can do a deal like this, they're probably hoping to create some goodwill. With Reggie, that he'll, you know, and, and be, keep him positive and keep him paid well so that if for some reason some deal doesn't happen, then maybe they can get a new deal with him. They don't want him to be pissed off for two years because you're paying me 80K. Hey,
0: hey Dan, uh, did you happen to pick up on all kind of the, you know, in the aftermath and replies to Charles's tweet about this and some of the follow up and, and fan perspective? Uh, did you uh, pick up on the on the on the vibe that everybody seemed very positive about all of this? Uh, and, and and at the same time, did you have the same thought of me? I wonder where these same people are going to be in July after Reggie has a killer first three four months of the season, and now like every July, the got, the team sells off one of its best players, and suddenly the attitude about this is going to change,
1: right? Oh, totally. Uh, you know, a lot of people's reaction was as if he's. Uh, tied down for the next 5 years and the reality is he's probably not going to be um you know like buzz said give him the contract increase his value and just the whole thing and we spoke about this before um of teams in other countries not really recognizing the value of option years and kind of you know saying well you don't have him under a contract you have him under a clause uh you know yeah people are gonna you know he has a couple of good months get sold in the in the european preseason, season the prime time to be sold and then you'll have the uh the same the hunts are trying to sacri- uh to sabotage the club and blah 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 why do we will sell the best players in the summer and you know it's kind of the reality of mls wanting to be uh a selling league and FC Dallas wanting to be a producer of talent rather than a procurer of talent.
0: Yeah, Andy on the radio show actually has brought this up a couple of times, specifically the conflict between the schedule of MLS and the desire to be a selling league. Those two things are really in conflict with each other. Uh, MLSsoccer.com also uh, posted predictions on finishes. Uh, They got a bunch of different people to kind of predict where they thought uh, each team would finish in their respective conference. And I guess on the six or seven different people, it appears most people see finishing somewhere in fifth. I saw somebody uh, post as high as fourth and a couple of people as low as eighth. And the reason why I bring this up is, is the and, and I'm sure we'll do predictions uh, next week, but I do want to throw in here, the one thing that makes me curious, or uh, the one thing that makes me uh, think about how I th- feel Dallas will finish this year is the Reggie question, which is, If Reggie leaves in July, and we all assume he does, how ready is his replacement going to be? Because there's essentially two options as I see it. It's either Brisson, who stinks as a right back, and we know that because we've seen him fail there, and the other one is a kid who I'm assuming by the time July has showed up has probably only started one or two games uh, for the club this season.
2: Well, you could throw in Johnny Nelson too. He's played opposite side before, but... um... Between the fact that Reggie's probably going to make the Olympic team and Reggie's probably going to continue to get called up by the national team, you know, Reggie might miss a whole bunch of games in the first half of the season. So uh, I think there's more chances to get um, whoever the replacement is going to be ready than we might have expected. So I would expect more like five or six chances to start. Um, You know, and then you can also include in North Texas time, of course, and and then open cup play if that happens soon enough. I'm off top. I had to remember what it is. Um, You know, it'll be very telling when Reggie does go to the Olympic team or the national team who gets those games, because that's going to be pretty clearly the indicator of uh, uh, which direction they're going.
0: All right. So, uh will I guess we'll just have to sit and wait on that. Are we are we going to do predictions next
1: week, guys? Is that what we yeah, want to
0: do? Yeah. A uh Dan, I know you're not big on predictions,
1: will. Can we get you to do oh, I next? just don't like predicting games because uh, I always get those uh, horribly wrong. <laughs> Although that that said the first time Seattle uh, won the MLS Cup, I did predict them to miss the playoffs entirely. So, you know. All right. Good for <laughs> you. good job maybe we should put a bet on it like a bet Mm -hmm. payoff for the person has the worst you know
0: prediction at the Mm -hmm. end of the year
1: yeah let's do it dan i mean i'm from a country that allows sports betting just because (laughs) y'all (laughs) aren't we do now (laughs) we do now
0: (laughs) yeah yeah boy that's coming hard and fast no doubt about it all right uh dallas did have a scrimmage uh earlier this week Uh, some team called the Philadelphia Union, um, and it was held somewhere else, not here, not there. Uh, Buzz, what did you see, and did you enjoy it? Good things to come? Question mark, question mark. Uh,
2: Yes, I I liked what I saw um, to some extent. Uh, I think to a, a large extent, however, you can toss a lot of it out the window because they are playing Philly opening night, so opening day, whatever you want to call that. So I imagine that Philly didn't run out their 100% game plan and maybe not even their 100% lineup, Dallas certainly didn't. Dallas used a formation in the 3-5-2 um, or the 5-3-2, if you prefer that language. That is not a, a lineup they're going to play a lot. Um, it is a lineup that Lucci's been working on this spring because he wants to have it in his arsenal of of possibilities. Uh, their, their ability in it is about where they were a year ago, uh, maybe even more than a year ago, with... When Lucci first came in, in terms of their ability to build in it and build out in it, and um, and play forward and play in combination, uh, they're super raw and using that formation. They did much better with it with the starting sort of group than they did with the later on sort of group, with a lot of young guys that really have no idea how to play that formation at all, and you could really tell that it got really rough at the end. But um, so both teams, I think, probably played their cards pretty tight in terms of how that will translate to opening day. But I did like it. I did think it was an interesting change-up. And overall, Dallas uh, clicked pretty well and looked pretty good in terms of uh, the new pieces that are available to play.
0: So, Dan, based on uh, the fact that we, you know, you guys haven't really seen the team play a lot because a lot of these games have taken place elsewhere than here, Um are you getting a sense, Dan, based on your time at training and what you've watched online as to where this team is in terms of form so far leading into the first game in a few days?
1: I mean, it's, it's kind of tough to, to grasp. We had that two-week hole when they were in California with uh, very little access that that made it difficult to um, to, to judge any of that. Uh, and I speaking to lucci he, he seemed... Uh, you know, pretty happy with that, where they're going. He said he felt that they were at least a week or two ahead of schedule from where they were last year, just with oh, uh, playing oh, and MLS. Goodness. Yeah, that, that? that can be edited out, right? Maybe. <laughs> I accidentally burped, okay? Um, <clears throat> I thought it was a hiccup. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry, I lost my train of thought. Uh, yeah, he was happy with, um, you know... <laughs> The team playing a higher standard of opponent earlier in the season, uh, happier with the increased travel, not just going to Arizona and then coming back, but going to California, coming back, uh, going down to San Antonio, coming back, going out to Florida, coming back. He's talking about the the stress, the mental uh, and emotional stress that puts on players. Um, He did say they opted for the bus to San Antonio for that reason, not sure I completely buy that one. Um, but that is a longer bus ride than they are, are even allowed to take under the CBA. So that's definitely uh, a good, you know, stress test. There. I'm, I'm sure it was all about team building and spirit. Spirit, yeah, spirit. Yeah. Because they had to pay to put their bags on the bus too. Right, exactly. Did, did they? All right.
0: I just I thought it was, it was a, a good link. <laughs> no, Dan's making a Spirit Airlines joke.
2: Oh, <laughs> I missed it completely. Right. Yeah. yeah um, let's I must keep up. flew over my head. Hey, That's my bad. I
0: do have a question for both of you guys. What's the deal with uh, Ricardo Pepe starting the last two games over Cobra?
2: Well, um, that probably means that Ricardo Pepe starting opening day. Um, there's some. Whoa. Uh, whoa. Hold on. Yeah. Wait a second. What? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a little surprising i know cobra but doesn't ch- suck
0: that much does he
2: no 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 there's some chatter floating around that um cobra has to have uh, or is going to have some kind of uh procedure or something medical we're not really clear what it is i don't think he's injured it's one of those things that the team's not going to discuss which means it's something personal um you know and, and i'm not so i'm not going to pry deeply but um you know, apparently there's a good chance that Cobra's not going to start opening day, but it, but it'll only be a week or so apparently. So uh, it's hard to get more details plots? on that one. We don't nah, Maybe so. He does keep his hair shaved pretty short. I mean, uh,
1: it's actually an know. extension to the Cobra tattoo. He's getting it. yeah, yeah, okay. Get more going to Run down his butt and down his leg.
2: Yeah, I don't uh, you know, when something's personal, when they tell you something's personal in nature, it's hard to really dig into that and and maybe we'll find out eventually what well, the no, deal is. No, that makes
0: me want to know even more, dude. Yeah,
2: I know. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's a vasectomy. I who knows.
0: Well, that would be I really that would be really crappy time to have a vasectomy is right before opening day. I would like to think that Cobra is uh planning his childhood You've better than that you've got to, you've got to take
1: from it that if it's going to be this close to opening day and uh, and and leave them out of opening day that it's not a cosmetic procedure or something that could have been scheduled beforehand but something that's kind of come up or lingered and it's it's key to get it out the way sooner rather than later
0: yeah i i'm sure I, i'm sure there's a completely valid reason but when Buzz said that Ricardo Pepe was gonna start the opening day game, I was that just completely stopped me in my tracks because that I was not expecting.
2: But Well, we don't know for sure, but when you when you have a guy start the last couple of games of the spring, that's usually what that means. Well, along I, with it? whatever yeah.
0: you're hearing, I mean if, yeah. if in fact you're also yeah. getting that in addition to, you know, some sort of sense or vibe or right. you know, super secret hints or whatever, then um yeah, I could see we're you would come to that conclusion. All right. So that answers my question. Do they have any other scrimmages coming up before the Philly game?
2: Uh, yes. They play Inter uh, Miami this weekend.
1: And the University of South Florida, too.
2: Right. Hmm. All right. College game. That'll be the second team game, basically. And then your inter game is your final. Warm up. So whatever you see in that game, more than likely will be what you'll see opening day. I mean, I would imagine.
0: Man, I got to tell you, I'm so fascinated to watch this inter Miami thing. I have a feeling it is going to be an, a disaster. Simply because, if I understand this correctly, they played as a team for the first time a week ago, on the field, in a game. A week. Yeah, ago. I mean
2: they they hired their coach late and they're still adding players. So, I mean. They're going to be right there with FC Cincinnati, who just fired their coach. Well, they didn't fire; they let him resign. You know, a week out from the season, it's going to be a cluster.
0: Well, I uh, but at least that's a team. At least that's a team of guys that have been playing together, right? This is just a, a yeah. you know, this is like a victory. <laughs> it's just a <laughs> bunch of ragtag guys all glued together and expected to. Uh, yeah, it's, it's proper name is Escape to Victory. You're right. I'm sorry. Dan. Oh. Apologies. Uh, what? Escape to Victory. That is the, <laughs> That's pro- the name of the movie. That's the original proper European release name of the movie. Escape to Victory.
1: Um, actually, um, I asked. I was I asked Luchy about that. I was, uh, he was talking about, you know, this uh, game against Philadelphia and then Miami. It was going to be a chance to do like a full game week and and how everything's scheduled out. Uh, and I sort of asked, you know, if, if you've been in touch with Miami about. I don't know anything that you or they are looking for, or you know, what's setting any standards. And, uh, you know, he just looks and goes, You know, I don't know. They've been really secretive. Yeah. I just know they've played a bunch of little scrimmages, had that one game.
0: I don't know. Signed a giant jersey sponsor deal. <laughs> oh my God, that is insane! Uh, especially in light of the whole Man City uh,
1: news. But anyway. It's going to be great when they get thrown out of CONCACAF Champions League before they've even qualified for it. Yeah. Uh, hey,
2: speaking of uh, secret and personal, have any, has anybody taken a close look at Santiago Mascara yet this spring?
0: I, he's still alive?
2: Yeah. He has more hair. hair. Hey, look at his face next time you get a chance. Oh, has he grown a mustache? N- uh No. No, just uh, come back next week and see if you think what I think and then we'll we'll all just conjecture.
0: Well, no, no. Hold on. Did he get a face tattoo? Not a tattoo, no.
2: A nose piercing? No. You, you'll have to look at it and see if you can see the difference. See if you see a difference. All right. Yeah. I think he looks different.
0: Oh, my God. Please, <laughs> did he have plastic surgery?
2: I don't know. I have no idea. That's why I said, speaking of secret and personal, who knows? But he looks very different to me. Like,
0: Different? Did he lose weight? Gain weight? Maybe.
2: Uh, possible. Uh, you'd have to look at the pictures and see what you think. God, this feels. I'm more not like, entirely sure what. This uh, feels more like TMZ than. Yeah, uh, you know, I don't know of anything specifically, but um, <laughs> he looks very different. I passed him twice at training where I actually double taked and was like, "Who the hell was that?" And then so I realized. I'm looking at was a picture of
1: him from from Monday, and the only difference I can see is his hair. You he, don't
2: think he, he looks different from last year? What's different yeah, about Yeah, because
1: his... he has blonde highlights and longer hair.
2: Maybe that's all it is. God, wouldn't...
1: I don't know. He looks he looks
2: very different to me.
0: I would love it if I found out that my mascara had rhinoplasty. Did he get taller?
2: <laughs> I don't think he got taller. Did Mikey? Mikey did not get taller either. He had a baby.
0: Is the baby taller? Yes, <laughs> oh. Yeah, probably. uh Okay, so uh, since we're all, since we've fallen into the TMZ mode, Dan, yeah. you might as well tell your amazing Rito Ziegler story. This is uh, this is fantastic.
1: Okay, so <laughs> I, I don't even. Know By the way, going. this is
0: going to turn into a tifo on, at an
1: away game, almost certainly. So yeah, just pile it on, why don't you? uh that was that was a joke that you should have got there but okay um so I'm out of practice sunday um uh, and Reto's on the on the sidelines and I, I sort of call out to him like Hey, Reto, what's what's going on you uh, got some tightness again cuz you know he was out with some groin tightness a couple of weeks ago and he uh and he looks over and he kind of laughs he goes no no i have hemorrhoids so <laughs> <It's like>, what i <laughs> it like yeah it makes it it makes it uncomfortable to train. I'll be good in a day or two. <laughs> and I was like, uh, he's he's German, Swiss, and Germans aren't known for joking. So I don't know whether it, how to take this uh, whether to take this seriously or not. Then speaking to Lucci a little later on and um, asking about a couple of injuries and get to Reto, and he's like, yeah, he's um. He's 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 gonna be good. He'll go to Florida. He's uh, just dealing with something a little bit personal, and like, <laughs> I, I didn't have the heart to say, yeah. He already told me. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> it was just at that same time. You're like, wow, he really wasn't joking at all. Oh, the hemorrhoids. Boy. So if FC Dallas can replace Advocare with Preparation H, that would be amazing. <laughs> Man, there's got to be a fantastic song that could be done about that,
0: uh, either for or against. Uh, absolutely. Okay, so we've learned that uh, Ricardo Preppy is probably starting for due to some sort of mystery thing going on with Cobra, which then goes to Santiago Mascara may have had rhinoplasty, and Rito Ziegler has hemorrhoids. So there is your FC Dallas preseason in a nutshell right there on the Third Degree Podcast. I'm proud of us very much. Um, speaking of Mascara, where does, whether he's had no plastic surgery or he just has long hair or Buzz just forgot what he looked like because he hadn't seen him in a while. Yeah, it could just be me. It could yeah. just be you. Uh, is, is, does Santiago uh, Santiago have any prayer of getting his position back from Pico?
2: Mm, certainly not to start the season, I don't think. Uh, you know, there's you, you couldn't you can make the case that on a given day when he is on form, that Santi is a more uh, creative, a more interesting, a more dynamic, better player than Fava Pico. But um, he's a roller coaster, man. The guy's up and down, up and down. He's in and out of line. he can't stay healthy, he can't. He's not consistent, uh, and that makes it impossible for a coach to game plan. You know, if you don't know what you're going to get out of a guy on a given day, it's impossible to make a real structure, and make a real plan. So Fafa Pico, who is, by the way, one of the best pressing wings in the league, which is prototypical Lucci ball. He offers the balanced component to Barrios, the verticality. So if you're Lucci and you're trying to make a game plan, you're trying to beat players in a parity league, beat teams in a parity league. You know why wouldn't you go with the guy that's the everyday professional and consistent? And this is both games and training. You know, part of being a pro is showing up and being ready and playing every time. Uh, and I think that means that Fafa's is it's Fafa's job for the you know as long as he holds on to it and keeps playing unless mascara finds himself again and starts producing at a high level consistently it'll be pico from here on out pretty much all right
0: now when i uh, i've talked to friends that know uh, his time at philly i've read a lot of reviews and so forth and the general consensus isn't too dissimilar to the Baji, uh uh you know kind of reviews that i got back in the day which is Good guy, hard worker. Well, maybe I didn't get that about Baji, But the, the one thing was not really a great finisher. And I'm wondering if either one of you have seen anything that uh, jives with that or contradicts that in the time that you've uh, watched him this preseason.
2: No, not I have not. That seems right on the mark.
1: I mean, he was able to finish from a yard out yesterday. So that's, uh, that's, that's encouraging at least. Um, <laughs> but you haven't seen anything consistent in practice, like shots from distance or cutting back and finishing in the box i've seen him hit a couple but no not really um even when they played a four uh three five two with him as that kind of like side to side forward um you know he kind of didn't really he he still has his knees strapped up at time granted but he didn't really uh look too threatening in front of goal um no All right. Uh, um, if we if we could if we could just sort of drag you back a little bit to uh, the uh, Santi hemorrhoid versus talk. no more
0: no more hemorrhoid talk. Dan okay. No
1: no more F C M 3 D M Z. There you go. That needs to be a t shirt on the uh, on the store. Go go and do work, Buzz. <laughs> um, the Fafa versus Santi thing. So um, one thing for at least the start <laughs> of pre season is uh, Santi was used more as like a. Ten just as a body with uh, w- with really anyone else getting time on the left. So I don't know if they were trying to, you know, like they've been doing with uh, Derek Wardock at left back and Johnny Nelson in midfield, trying to sort of get him a little more acclimated to uh, playing that kind of advanced playmaker role. But it it doesn't seem like uh, he's going to be the first choice left wing. All right. Uh, in other news, uh, Nikosi Burgess
0: signed with the club, which I, you guys seem very excited about. But that does leave Cal Jennings kind of out in the woods. Uh, Buzz, what's what's your uh, take on the, on those two items?
2: Well, uh, first off, uh, Nikosi Burgess wins the uh, greatest contract signing shirt of all time contest. If if you knew know there was a contest, there definitely is one. Uh, from wearing a long sleeve tie dyed ACDC t shirt, so that's a win. <laughs> and uh, the, the thing I'm excited about about Burgess uh, is that is
0: that it did uh did Dan wear his matching one? Uh, no, no, he didn't. Okay,
2: yeah, that would have been good if they'd had matching ACD shirts. Um, is the the remarkable progress that he makes because I'm sure Dan will. Uh, back me up on this, that he was atrocious the first couple of days in, in training. But, um, you know, the athleticism is remarkable, and he does have the basic skills. So the, um, the progress is really astonishing, even just over the first three or four weeks now. Um, you know, he's still a ways off, still going to play for North Texas a ton. But um, to watch that kind of progression, uh, you know, can the guys be taught? Can, are they coachable? That's a big thing, and he clearly is. So that's a positive sign with him. Um, Jennings is interesting and Dan can tell you about the boots thing that makes it clear that he hasn't signed yet, aside from the fact that they haven't announced anything. Um, essentially the question I think that's being mulled over and it's probably about 50, 50 at this point is, can he help this team now, or do we need to develop him still and try and sign him for North Texas. And then on top of that, of course, is will he take a North Texas deal? Because he does have an agent that reps MLS players. And would Cal rather go to, like, for example, a USLC team and try and make his way somewhere else? So um, the problem, if you will, quote-unquote problem with Cal is that uh, is Lucci particularly likes players that are flexible, can play two positions. So Cal's a you know prototypical uh, number nine, plays, has good pace, really good in the box but he's not necessarily a clinical finisher. He's a good finisher. He's a good instinctual finisher, but he's not a clinical finisher. It's not pretty. Um, and he does not press very well. So he can't, uh, he can press, but he doesn't do it uh, the way Lucci wants it done over a consistent long game because he's used to subbing out. He's used to not going 90 minutes. He's also used to being the man. Um, and so far he's not really very good at playing wings. So there's a lot of, there are some things there that are good, I think, uh, that they can build on. And I personally think they should sign him, no question. But I'm not the coach. And there definitely seems to be a question here of whether they would rather have him at North Texas or MLS and w- will he take either one of those. Well, presumably he takes an MLS deal, but will he take a North Texas deal? I don't I don't know what the, what's going to happen. Well, And this week's the big test for him. Probably the game against, um, who, who's the college you're playing, Dan? Florida. Um, uh, South Florida. South Florida, that game probably will be the big tester final shot for him to prove, yes, you should sign me or no, I'll put me on North
1: Texas. Yeah, they're definitely looking for something more out of him. Um, You know, every time I've spoken to Lucci about him from the first week, he said he's always been the guy who is physically stronger and faster than everyone, and he kind of leans on that, and they need to see a little more. Uh, He's not saying that quite as much now but he's just saying need to see more decisions still to be made um just you know it's it's kind of hard like um Burgess is is actually a, a solid example he was a you know really great physical player he's upped his passing game he looks more measured in, in when he sort of tries to bolt forward into a challenge he's he's showing them something to work with and I, I just feel like they're waiting for that with Jennings because you know you think you've got Andrasic you've got Pepe coming up you've got Jesus can play up top you're gonna have Franco O'Hara. you've got Ronaldo Dama still on the books of North Texas SC who could make the move up and you know potentially be at the same ish level as a a raw physical striker, which is is what Cal Jennings is. So he's, you know, he's he's got a he's got to do something to to really put himself in that in that pecking order somewhere.
0: All right, now Dan, I'm going to stick with you for a second. And Buzz hinted at this uh, a few minutes ago. Uh, something you wrote in a practice observation earlier this week was one of my favorite things you've ever written, and it's uh, the type of insight that fans can only find. At third degree, you're not going to find this kind of stuff anywhere else, and it really separates you guys from everybody else. But tell everybody your observation about the shoes tied to Cal Jennings and then how that relates to Tanner Tessman, please.
1: Yeah, uh, sure. So, um, MLS obviously sponsored by Adidas. Part of the contract sorry, that's, is that's, that's,
0: that's pronounced Adidas here in the United States, Dan. The,
1: the guy's name was Adidasla. It's Adidas. Don't yeah. ruin my History childhood. History lesson. I yeah, find Adidas. Adidas. All day, I dream about soccer.
0: Yes. That's how you learn to spell it here over the States. Anyway, I'm sorry to interrupt, Dan. Oh. Please tell the story about Adidas and Tanner Tessman and Cal Jennings.
1: Um, yeah, so uh, obviously with uh, Adidas sponsoring <laughs> the, uh, the league... They have a little clause that says that any player that isn't signed to a boot deal with another company has to wear Adidas cleats. Um, so they have a big shipment every... I think it's like quarterly. It's every couple of releases. Uh, so the current shipment is still October's boots, um, which are green and orange when you see them. Uh, so any contracted player right now is playing in, uh, in blue and white ones, which are the January release. And I think it's called the encryption pack, maybe, or something like that. Uh, Anyway, so... You know, these are like $250 a pair, so... They don't just give them to everyone, they kind of give them to players as a sign of faith that, hey, we think you're good enough to sign, or we've signed you, so... Derek Waldeck after signing for North Texas SC, now he's playing in in those green cleats. Uh, Cal Jennings, however, is still playing in the white Nikes that he played in in college, so... If he signs for it in MLS, he has to wear those Adidas cleats. So it, it just, I don't know, something doesn't really add up there. All like, right, now relate that to Tanner Tessman. Because Tanner Tessman is wearing those. Wearing um, the new, the green and orange ones? Yeah, yeah, which uh, means, you know, the the club have given some. And, you know, there's been examples in the past where someone just c- traveling into town, they've uh, lost their cleats or they've, you know, not remembered to bring him to the stadium and have been like, Okay, well yeah, here's here's some cleats to play him but this is like kinda uh, you know like obviously Tanner Testman isn't one of those people. You see him playing day in, day out in those okay, so uh Dan, that's a fantastic observation, and
0: again, props to you for bringing that up uh That was one of the best things I've read uh about the club in a long time from anybody so uh it was i would have nobody else would have spotted that, and I love you for uh spotting that but buzz, is that not an indicator that somewhere in a room? Uh, Lucci and the Hunts and uh, whatever the Brazilian dude's name is. I always forget it off the top of my head. The technical director. Um, Andre Zanata. Zanata, thank you. Are they all like huddling together, trying to figure out how they talk Tanner and his family to skip the college thing and sign a homegrown deal? Is that what really is going on behind the scenes right now? Yes. Yeah. Okay, thank you for that um, insightful yeah. answer. I,
2: I'll tell you why. <laughs> the, the short answer is yes. Um, you don't, uh, FC Dallas in general, uh, and in Tanner Kessman's case specifically, you don't have uh, a player of his caliber from the 19s in your first-team camp for all of spring training like this, taking him on both road trips, ha- uh, more importantly, having wear, having him wear first-team gear which is does not happen usually until you actually sign. Like the day you sign your contract, they give you the first-team gear. And so he's already wearing the first-team gear. Now, it is preseason, so, uh, but... Not, and if this was in the regular season, I'd be already saying, oh, it's done. So there's no question that the club is doing everything they can to get this kid to sign a homegrown contract. The only question is going to be, uh, the kid is not dumb. He knows what a Clemson... You know, situation is worth what that scholarship is worth. He knows what other guys get paid because the league announces it. So it's only a question of can they bring enough to the table to convince his family and him to forego that Clemson relationship to sign. So is that going to happen now? Can they get it done? Maybe let him go for one year and do a Brandon Savannah Reggie Cannon and one and done. You know, it's it's just going to come down to them convincing him that it's the right situation because everything is happening that is a hundred percent in line with. Exactly the way the process works when you're going to sign a homegrown.
0: All right, but if they if if they talked him into it and signed him to a homegrown deal, is there any chance he starts games for Dallas in 2020? Yes, really. At what position?
2: Yeah. Well, he's a linking eight, um, and right now you're missing both your starting linking eights, um, and he's a natural eight. He's not a guy trying to convert to eight like Thomas Roberts. Or Evan Serio. Thomas Uh, Robbins. All right. All right. right. Yeah. So so, and then the other side of that coin is is with the Olympic team coming, Paxton, Jesus, Brandon,
0: probably all gone. Right. Okay. So big chunks of time. Now, is Tessman on a North Texas deal? No. So he is one of the academy kids that is playing for North Texas but has refused to sign a North Texas deal that you've been talking about. Michael- well,
2: presumably, yes. I don't know if for sure he has turned a deal down or not. I would assume that he is a guy that has turned down a deal. Oh. That's a fair guess. I don't know for sure. Okay,
0: but uh, uh, I guess it's not an important detail because obviously yeah. he doesn't. he's not under a contract. Whether right. they've offered him one or not, I guess, is a, a, a relatively minor detail. But my point I'm trying to make is is that it sounds like Tanner has played Tanner and his family have played their cards amazingly smart here because now they've put FC Dallas in a position where they have no advantage whatsoever. This is a player they really want, and to your note, maybe even actually need. um, And Tanner holds all the cards at this point, and he could really press them for a serious homegrown deal.
2: Yeah, I would imagine that that's part of the discussion. And again, this is speculation on my part, but there's a difference between those bare minimum uh, homegrown deals, which are Brian Reynolds has, and which Reggie Cannon has, and the ones that some of the guys got when they came out of, that are the higher caliber targets. Um, Brandon Serna got when he came out that Paxton and Jesus had, because they're uh, more creative, more attacking style for uh, you know further up the field kind of Didn't players. Didn't Dante so Sealy would, get a pretty big deal? Yeah, he did. So, you know, the Tanner, like I said, Tanner's not dumb, his family is not dumb. They can see those numbers. So it's, you know, it's very clear that uh, those numbers are going to have to be in the ballpark or and on the table for the kid to take the deal. You know, and and part of it's is cre- full credit to Tanner in the sense that he's dominating the developmental academy when he plays there. He's already shown that he can start and be a great player for North Texas. And in the games they've put him in these uh, this spring with fc dallas he's still hitting these 50 yard cross field bombs on stride and and doing everything you've seen him do with north texas in the academy at the mls level and mls speed so he's clearly demonstrated that he can hack it and and there obviously is a some level of discussion or he would not be in camp if he was flat out selling them to take a hike they wouldn't have taken him you know it's that's you know, they're not going to bring him along just for the kicks if he's not if he has zero interest in signing.
0: Yeah, he is a monster of a human being. And for those who are listening but don't really know, Tessman has signed um, <clears throat> to go play at Clemson, but it's a two-sport scholarship. It's not just soccer, but it's also to be a kicker for the football team. Uh, and that's a huge deal, and the value of that is... You just can't put a financial value on that In many ways So if the Hunts are going to figure out a way To get him to stay and sign a homegrown deal Whether he plays this year or not They are going to have to roll out some serious dough I bet to get him to sign that contract
2: yeah, serious and homegrown terms. I mean he's not gonna get the six hundred thousand that Jesus and Paxton have, but but he's he's definitely gonna be in the more, more of the ballpark of your Dante Seeley brand of homegrowns than your and environmental the, What were the
0: values of those, the two fifty ish?
2: Oh, off the top of my head, uh uh one twenty and Paxton and Jesus at the time were something like 150 maybe. Brandon is on. Oh, Brandon's on now. Is Brandon's on one hundred and sixty? So his has escalated a little bit. Thomas Roberts is one hundred and ten. You know, whereas uh, Dante and Dante's actually low. Dante's at 80 and Pepe's at 80. So, you know, those are the different ranges. You know, it's going to be on the higher end of that, I think, pushing towards Brandon's kind of money, probably. Yeah.
0: Well, and even then, I'm not sure that number eclipses the value of (laughs) a four year scholarship to Clemson to play two sports, especially if if he's legitimately um, if he's a legitimate potential NFL level kicker then that's yeah. a whole different deal, right?
2: Well, the funny story about that was that Tanner's never played high school football. He's never kicked uh, American softball in a game type situations. So he went down there to a football camp, and he was he was kicking 45-yard field goals uh, without any training at all, basically just whipped out and kicking them. And they're like, wow, that's I'm really terrific. He, <laughs> no, he's kicking it left-footed. And so then they were like, OK, try one right footed, which is a nationalist foot. And then he kicked him 60 yards. <laughs> so it's like they're like, here's a scholarship, basically like on the spot, yeah. you know. But the, the, the bottom line in this kind of situation is what's the kid's dream? Does he want to be a pro soccer player or does he want to be a pro football player? If he wants to be a pro soccer player, then it's a no brainer that this is the way to go. Then the question is only a one and done versus now. You know, so it's going to be down to him and how much money it is. Yeah, I,
0: the Tanner Testman story is one to watch for this season. Uh, I, I don't know how soon or quickly that gets rectified. It, obviously, it's going to have to be sooner than later because the kid's going to leave for college. But um, I, I, I find that uh, fascinating. And let's uh, just quickly review some of the health stories. Uh, Paxton, Matt, Brandon, uh, Brian, and Thomas. What's going on with those cats?
2: So Pomacle should be cleared by the end of the week. Hopefully that means he'll get some playing time against Inter miami we'll see um if he doesn't then there's no way that he'll be ready for opening day uh which is a shame um hedges did play half the game so his quad thing seems to be clearing up so he should be ready for opening day which is good because he's the, the defense is so much better with him back there um brandon Cervania and Brian Acosta are about on the same time frame so they're probably still two two and a half weeks away from being able to come back based on uh, the original timelines. Roberts's ankle, he tried to play through it, and then they shut him down a little bit. Like, he hasn't played uh, in, like, four or five days now. So, But he should be back pretty soon, hopefully, as well. And that's about it, really, for injuries.
0: And Rito Ziegler has hemorrhoids. Has hemorrhoids, but he's
2: already playing again,
0: so that's fine. <laughs> um, you know, he is 34, and I do wonder, is that one of the team's potential Achilles heel? Is that if Matt or, you know... If Ziegler, at his age, and you know, I don't know, is that something we need to worry about at all?
2: I'm definitely worried about it. Um, You know, Ziegler is a defender that's more about his mind and game reading, you know, but there are times where he's been uh, caught on the, and Dan, as we've talked about this, that the slashing run uh, between the outside back and him, particularly if the outside back's caught up, can sometimes catch him because he has no help on the outside and they can just run by him. Um, so I do worry that Ziegler is 34. He'll be 34, uh, you know, through the complete season. He won't turn 35 during the year, but, um, just big picture. It's like, how, how, how is he going to hold up in the heat? How's he going to hold up over the heavy workload that he had to do? Because so far, Brisson has not provided a real challenge to take that spot at all. Um, and even if you want to go beyond that, if, if you're thinking that this team has a two or three year window, to maybe win a couple of cups with these young, not a couple, If you, to maybe win a couple with these, young, ride the wave of these young kids, because eventually Paxson and Jesus are going to be gone. You can't ride Ziegler for two or three more seasons, can you, at 34? So it's like, it's now the time to actually burn that bridge and make that change and try and figure out who the hell's going to play center back over the next three seasons. You know, because how many more seasons does Ziegler have in him if it's even this season?
0: I don't know and it is something to watch out for. It's not like they've got somebody just waiting in the wings to fill it uh, to, to to take that other spot and it's the one thing I do where I you know as I again thinking about how I want to make a prediction next week it is one of the spots that I do uh, have as a question yeah. mark. All right, now I also saw on the website this week buzz that you actually attended something called North Texas Soccer Club training. I did. Tell us about that.
2: Well, as I said um, a couple of times in various spaces on uh, in our reporting, that were, I only expected four players to be back, um, which is remarkable. Uh, it's now going to be five because um, Ronaldo Damos is coming back. The the loan I was expecting uh, did not come to fruition, so um, that's okay. He's a raw kid, so that I'm okay with him in one more year in North Texas. That's fine. Um, but other than that, there's a whole bunch of guys that I've never seen before. Um, and some of them are new signings. Uh, one of which, uh, named Juan Manuel Alvarez, the coaches just call him Juan Manuel. So I'm not sure which one of those various names is his actual last name, but, um, he's apparently good enough that they took him to Florida FC Dallas did, wow. which is interesting. He's the kid from Monterey that's here for a year on loan. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and Monterey's got loads of talent. So, you know, you can get a guy out of there that might actually be pretty good. Um, so we'll see what the deal is with him. He's a linking eight type. So some of that, of course, was just numbers where there have been sh- all these injuries they have. but No
0: trialist from Bayern Munich yet?
2: No, no, no from Bayern Munich. Oh, okay. Uh, and Danny Waldeck's the other draft pick they took to Florida, too. So Danny Welbeck, um...
0: the former Manchester United and Arsenal striker?
1: That guy Welbs. Waldeck.
2: <laughs> Waldeck. <laughs> So anyway, the couple other players that are worth talking about are the the couple of new signings. The Brazilian kid Allison uh, is a Carlos rezzo style, super thick, uh, intimidating bulldog looking six. And I don't mean he's fat thick; I mean he's muscle thick. I think people are going to like him. He's kind of rough. <clears throat> the uh, right back Cuadrado. You say uh,
0: rough? You mean like his uh, overall intimidating? Oh, okay.
2: Yeah, physical. Uh, you know, dominating of the ball. Uh, and, you know, has a presence, you know. Don't take his and sandwich. presence with this authority. Yeah, he'll take your sandwich, yeah. Right. You don't want to run into him in an alley. All right. Um, so the right-back, Cordardo, is super raw. He did not impress me a lot. That's a project player, the other Brazilian. Um, Philip Ponder, the senior out of SMU, has got better feet than I expected. He actually looked pretty good. Um, very vocal, lots of leadership there. I liked that. And then um, the Alex Bruce, who's the player that played for um, – I'm trying to go quick here – played for – quills academy is a prototypical nine type so more of a cobra style in the box nine as opposed to damus's vertical over the top so some good change up there Uh, a guy named kamar marriott who was drafted by sporting kc last year out of uh, florida gulf coast is a former fc dallas academy player actually premier player one of the one of the bounce back and forth guys Mm. so that's kind of cool he's six foot four so that's nice to see a you know a a former FC Dallas guy rewarded, uh, with, with this opportunity. And then for me, the, the most bizarre sighting or, 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 uh, scouting I did there was a kid from the UPSL, believe it or not, who plays for Floro SC, which is Michelle's UPSL team. He coaches, mm-hmm. um, the kid's name is Guillermo Estrada. And you're, this is one of those bizarre local kids where it's like, who the heck is this kid, uh, that M- Michelle found somewhere. I have no idea. And in in the small space drills, I didn't think much of him and notice him much, but then they played a full field game where it opened up and he came alive. I mean, he was running by people and scoring goals. I was like, wow, you know, who is this kid? You know, it's a UPSL player. So he's like playing pub league, basically. Yeah, I'm sure he's
0: one of the hundreds of really, really uh, skilled and high quality Sunday league players that that Dallas-Fort Worth has an absolute you know, treasure trove of uh, whether or not it ever translates to uh, you know MLS right. level is another story. But there's a ton of, of that talent out there. Real quick,
2: just the thing that's interesting for for uh, for me about it is that I presumably he's young, but um, between him from Michelle's club and a kid they're going to bring in from Ed Puskarich's Texas Spurs, it's interesting to see them sort of work some of these local. Semi-pro relationships, and maybe even take some looks at some guys. So that's an interesting relationship building for a new club like this. So that's that's cool.
0: And I have I want to ask uh, Dan about the WPSL here in a second. But one of the things that I did not know until the other day um, it reflects on the idea of uh, of the fact that the Hunts chose to give this team a completely different name and brand. When I because I, I'm asking this because I was really shocked to find out today. I did not know that Sporting Kansas City has made the decision to change the name of their USL team away from Swope Park Rangers, which was one of the cooler brands out there, and I think they're just going to call them Sporting KC2 from now on, and I don't think they're the only ones that have made that decision.
1: Uh, They and Philadelphia um, retired the Bethlehem uh, Steel brand because both uh, with the new USL rules had to move the team's... Back to their MLS stadiums from the from the towns they were playing in.
0: So interesting. Well, they could have still called them Swope Park Rangers, though, right? Or uh, no? Well, they could have, if,
1: but they don't play in Swope Park anymore. Uh, <laughs> <So. yeah. laughs> All right. And people complained that Bethlehem still didn't play in Bethlehem; they played in the town next to it. So moving them back to Chester, I mean, it was just kind of a piss take if you kept the name. Then okay. Well, I, I, that was news.
0: That was both of those were news to me this week, and. Uh, And I still uh, ponder on occasion the idea of whether or not naming this team North Texas SC instead of FC Dallas 2 or Juniors
1: or something. The uh, University of North Texas SC is a fantastic name. (laughs) Um,
0: Okay, Dan, let's move over to the WPSL. It turns out that after all of that being told to wait, just hold on, uh, it turns out FC Dallas has decided to abandon uh, the women's top flight team that they once somewhat kind of had some sort of weird... yes, yeah, so, um, to.
1: you know, we, we got like the, the final day to confirm registration. They put the conference alignments out, and FC Dallas's place is suddenly called Dallas-Fort Worth, under-23. Wouldn't be the first time FC Dallas's teams were called something else because FC Dallas didn't pay for them. Um, hence the reason FCD Williman was FCD Women and not FC Dallas. Um, so, uh, obviously, Buzz reached out to, to FC Dallas and got this weird response of, um, hold on, we found, we think we know what team we're talk- you're talking about, but that decision isn't made until much later. Which, you know, got me thinking, that's strange, because normally they're holding trials by now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, in full, in full pre-season mode, the league starts in May, but... For the ECNL and DA the girls, they they're getting ready, and then the uh, the college kids come in a little bit later on. Uh, so actually, uh, John Sager, uh, South Star FC, the team president there, um, reached out and said, "Actually, yeah, we've uh, we've been approached to take the the second spot, the the vacant spot." So, yeah, FC Dallas completely. Uh, Inaccurate in what they said. They actually, um, John told me he was offered the the spot by WPSL back in December. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. So uh, so essentially,
0: <laughs> Dallas isn't going to have a team. There will be a team in Dallas, but it's going to be a sister club to the one in Fort Worth or something yeah. along
1: those. So sides. the one in Fort Worth is actually managed by Eric Korswath's wife, Susan, who is a former U.S. Women's National Team striker. She was the next Mia Hamm at both. UNC and for the US. Mm-hmm. Um couple of injuries and stuff, uh kind of sidetracked that a little bit, but um you know, she was a she was a successful college coach. Um her and Eric actually um managed at at university together. This is um, way more detail than I really wanted, Dan. Oh, <laughs> so yeah they they were they were really good last year they had uh, Emily Alvarado who is the Mexican national team's number one keeper who well she was at TCU they had a, a go, Ali Thornton who was at SMU and now signed for Le Havre's professional team in France they're, they're very good they have a very big squad so they were like hmm we play at TCU we have a large squad let's play in Dallas as well and split the squad up add to it you know, do what SC Dallas were doing beforehand, taking advantage of the fact that uh, Dallas Sting and Solar and everyone else don't, quite simply, don't have a solution for, for kids to play soccer past the age of 19.
0: Right. How many of those teams are there now in the Dallas Fort Worth area? Uh,
1: there are three. So there's the two South Star teams and there's Texas Spurs, Spurs which is okay. uh, Piscarish's team. And then their conference is, they're in Parker parka i don't even yes. know where parker is no sorry they're in lucas oh lucas okay yeah it's a bit of a weird drive i vaguely know where um is. so there will be one team actually in the city of dallas
0: all right well thank you for clarifying all of that uh fc dallas women rip pour one out for them all right anything else that we want to cover today before we wrap up this episode of third degree of the podcast
2: Oh, I have two little things. One is the sidekicks had all their gear stolen out in
0: Ontario, California. <laughs> well, at least now that means they won't lose because they won't play. But then I found out <laughs> that they uh, got some sort of deal where they got uniforms. But then I wondered, is there any chance the players, like, they didn't get stolen, they left them behind because they didn't want to play
1: because they're so terrible? <laughs> <laughs> or sold them at the airport or
0: something like that?
1: Wait, what no, are you talking about? The Dallas sidekicks a Mesquite. Right. I'm so confused. This
0: <laughs> little. <laughs> uh, you very much confuse the situation. I'm just talking about the stolen gear, Dan.
1: Just trying to make fun of it all. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it was the gear alone is a pretty funny story. And then yeah. I, and then of course it turns into a heartwarming story because their opponent helped them acquire new gear and they ended up getting to play last night where they promptly pummeled them like 11 to zero or something like that,
2: right? Yeah, it was pretty much a stomping. I mean there's only that psychics have two wins, although they're actually three teams worse than that, which is remarkable. Whoa, whoa. But, uh, whoa, wait a second. What? Yeah. There's one team that has no wins, Uh and one team that has one win. So yeah, it's, is the
0: table in the MASL essentially three or four teams that have all the wins, and three or four teams, which include the two Dallas area teams, with almost no wins?
2: Yeah, Mesquite has five wins, and Dallas has two wins. Well, they're divided into conferences, but the, the Eastern Conference has a team, Orlando, with one win, and Rochester has zero wins. So, you know, there's pretty terrible teams in uh, – yeah, in the Eastern Conference, the team, other than the one one win and the zero win teams, the next worst team has eight. So there's a real imbalance Oh my gosh. in the Eastern Conference.
1: Yeah.
0: Wow. Maybe there is something to the idea they sold the uniforms. Um,
1: I don't know. Yeah, <laughs>
0: there might have been. All right. And Trying to is... get the
1: latest high school signing. Uh, all right. So what was the yeah. other thing you wanted to discuss, Buzzard? The, the other
2: thing was that the um, the FC Dallas U15s and U17s advanced to the GA Cup, which will be this summer um the u15s team is fantastic they have a kid jordan jones who just got called up to the u17s which is like two years up um so they're really good they have a chance to win it and then the u17s finished last in their group they are not very good at all and they'll be thankfully everybody gets into the ga cup but they're going to be in what's called the tier three so it's not going to be very good teams but at least they're going to be in it and uh Hopefully they can redeem themselves and get a little better.
0: That U-15 team's the one that you've been uh, uh, pipping yes. in my ear about for a while, right?
2: Yeah, that's Peter... Um, Vermees' um, team? Uh, no. Lucene. That's the can- Lucene, Peter Lucene. sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Peter Lucene's team that won Dallas Cup when they were um, U-13s. Yeah. Peter
0: Vimece's, uh sidelining as an FC Dallas youth coach now. <laughs> right, right, yeah. So that
2: U-15 team is really loaded. I mean, they, they've had... You know, seven or eight kids get you know various national team things out of that already, and there's even three or four guys that are better than the guys that got that haven't. So it's um, a spectacular team with a whole bunch of guys that that depending on the way things go could be end up being pros, and they have a legit shot to win the GA Cup, which is the only thing that the FC Dallas Academy hasn't won. The GA Cups, really? They're really going to be? Yeah, that's the only thing they. Basically, that's the only big competition they've won. The DA Championship, they've won Dallas Cup. They've won all these, lots of other tournaments. Like they won the Bayern Munich tournament. They've won. That's this team, by the way, They won the Bayern Munich tournament. <clears throat> the only
0: thing they haven't won?
2: I'm talking about the academy. I oh. actually said specifically the FC Dallas Academy.
0: Oh, I thought we were going to forget about no. the, ML, the, the big one, the MLS Cup.
2: Yeah, no, that's ML, That's first team pro talk, not academy talk. Right.
0: Okay. Uh, well, good yeah. luck to them for sure. Go, go check yeah. out the U15s on Buzz's recommendation.
2: Yeah, they're really good. Not the
0: U-17s. Don't check those. I'm U-17s up.
2: are not, uh, yeah, they're
0: not good. All right, Dan, I uh, took a moment to reflect uh, while Buzz was speaking, and I realized that maybe I may have missed out on your humor because it's British humor, and uh, so I apologize if I made you uh, feel lesser in not not laughing at your joke about the outlaws <laughs> and the same things.
1: I can never feel lesser. <laughs> I just have a stiff upper lip about it. <laughs> Great. Okay. Uh, Dan,
0: well, then, thank you very much for uh, your time tonight. And again, kick-ass story about the shoes. I appreciate that.
1: But you're, you're most welcome, and thank you.
0: And, Buzzard, thank you, as always, for your good work. Would you like to pimp your Patreon, please, sir?
2: Oh, I would like to pimp my Patreon at patreon.com slash third degree. We we're up to 88 uh, patrons, and we're getting close to our first goal, which was... 100, and thanks, Peter, for coming back this week after I screwed the schedule up last week. And how- one last kit news fun item. Ooh. The North Texas kits are late because they're having the little star for the championship put over the badge. That's pretty cool.
0: <laughs> that is very cool.
2: Yeah, yeah. How'd get that one in?
0: I don't know how I feel about the fact that the first star is on our reserve team, but yep. okay, oh, <laughs> yeah. that doesn't hurt at all, no. Um, oh. Yeah. Uh, all right, and by the way, it's just a crime, I, and Buzz, I want you to be excited, and you should be excited you're at 88 patron, Patreons, yeah. but I just got to be honest, it drives me bonkers that in a market of this many people on an MLS Pro level team with the type of work and content that you are producing, that you can't get 100 Patreons, and it's not like you're asking them to give you five, even 5 bucks a month if they just want to give you $1 a month. a year for all the stuff that you do. That's all you gotta do. So come on, people. Help the dude out. He's literally the only independent journalist doing this day in and day out for the team that you supposedly love, and you must because you're listening to this stupid podcast. So get on with it. Go log on to the Patreon thing and donate Buzz a dollar or two dollars or ten dollars or something. Just do it for Christ's sake already. Pay the money.
2: Yeah, thank you for that uh, ringing endorsement. I appreciate it. $5 is a great number, but as you say, you know it's open to whatever people feel like they get value-wise from us. That's what we want them to do. And, Hopefully you like this podcast and uh, give us some support.
0: And if it helps you make that decision any easier, I don't get any of the money. How about that? So there. <laughs> That's serious,
1: no, there's not. No. Not yet. I thought it was like karma on Reddit. <laughs> you just got loads of that. Yeah. No. No.
0: All right. Thanks, guys. Uh, appreciate you. Uh, and I look forward to doing this next week. And thank you, FC Dallas fans. And we will speak to you, like I said, next week with predictions for the 25th season of Major League Soccer on the next edition of Third Degree of the Podcast. Thomas Roberts.